Well, good evening, Westover. Thank you. I want to welcome everyone in the room, and like Pastor Jonathan said, I do want to welcome and acknowledge those who are joining with us online. I'm so glad that you're with us. My name is Pastor Lindsay, and I am honored to share tonight's message with you. Most of you may recognize me from leading worship during service, but tonight we did some role reversal, and I have the opportunity to share a little bit about my story, some pieces of my heart, but more importantly, I get to share God's word with you tonight. Can we pray together? Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you because today is a gift from you. Father, I pray over the next few minutes that as my words go out that your voice would be heard because it's your voice that changes lives. So, Father, meet us in this place, change us, and may we leave different than the way we came in. In the name of Jesus, amen. Today we're kicking off a new series in our midweek experience called Renewed. And I've titled tonight's message, Renewed Through Worship. But before we dive in, I do want to introduce myself a little bit more and tell you a little bit of my background and a little of my story. Uh, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. My father worked in the medical field. My mother worked in the oil field. And when I was three years old, my mom's company moved us from Georgia to Houston. And um, let's just take a moment and acknowledge the fact that Texas is the best. Do I have any people in here that love being from Texas? We got here as quickly as we could, and I actually lived outside of Texas for about three and a half years right out of high school. I lived in Florida, and let me tell you what, it doesn't take you long when you get outside of Texas to realize that nothing really compares to Texas. Um, they don't have access roads. Uh, they don't know that you can eat tacos for breakfast. Um, they have no clue that Friday night lights is a real thing here. Um, their sweet tea is not even sweet. They hand you some Splenda and Sweet and Low, and I ain't about that life. And um, this was what I found odd. I lived in Florida for three and a half years, and never once did I see the Florida state flag. And I don't know, but you can't drive three and a half miles down 1604 or 410 without seeing the Texas flag in all her glory. Amen? So I say that to say Texas is awesome. Um, I'm so thankful that I was raised in this great place. Um, I say all that to say that we got here as quickly as we could. I was raised in Houston, but more importantly, I was actually raised in church. I come from a musically background family, a very talented family, and God began cultivating this love for worship and this desire to worship him from a very young age. And I'm thankful that I grew up in a church much like Westover that values kids and students in ministry. And, and because of that, I remember singing in kids' church. I remember when I began in student ministries, I was able to lead worship in student ministries. And then after high school, I went away to Bible school and I was able to lead at other churches, at camps and conventions. And worship has just been a part of who I am from the very beginning. And after high school, I'm sorry, after college, I moved back to Texas and that's where I met my husband, David. He was the music director at the church that I was attending and I was the frontline vocalist, he was the piano player, and it didn't take long. And I remember one Sunday morning, he came and asked me for my number in case he needed to ask me about songs. <laughs> that was the line he used, but we were married the next year, and this year, we celebrate 10 years of marriage. And, um, and I can tell you that it has been an adventure 
It has taken us all over the place, but it's been the best 10 years of my life. And worship ministry is something that David and I are very passionate about. Uh, Worship ministry is obviously part of the story that moved us from Houston here to San Antonio. And in fact, it was eight days ago that David and I celebrated two years here at Westover. And so on behalf of our family, I just want to say thank you for allowing us to serve you every week. And um, I believe we are going to have my family on the screen. Uh, That's my daughter, Michaela. That's our daughter. She is seven and a half. She would want me to make sure that you knew it was seven and a half. It's very different from seven. Um, She is an actual princess. She has a beautiful heart. She is kind. She is sweet. She is, like I said, she's tenderhearted. She loves rainbows and sparkles and unicorns. And I'm just praying that she stays little forever. And, And that's our son, Mason. He is rough and tough. Mason will be six next month. Mason sees a pile of dirt as a challenge. Um, He definitely sees mud as something that needs to be digged through. It doesn't matter what you're wearing, no. There's dinosaur bones to look for, and he's going to find them. Um, But Mason lives life to the fullest, and Mason is our miracle. And I stand here today, and, and I look back, and I can't believe it's been two years. And it's flown by, and sometimes it still feels new. But because of your, your welcoming spirit and your friendly heart and, and more ways, it already feels like home. So David and I love serving Westover as worship pastors because, like I said, worship is such a big part of our heart. Because we truly believe that worship is transformational. Worship is life-changing. Worship is life-giving. Worship is a way that we can connect with God. Worship is a response to his love. Worship is a response to God's grace. Worship is a response to God's faithfulness. Worship is a place where we can come into his presence and be renewed. And this is what I want to talk to you about tonight. Renewed through worship. The word renewed means to make like new, to restore to perfection. So what does it mean to say when we say renewed through worship? Well, first we're going to reverse engineer a little bit with me. So through worship, I am renewed. And I believe firmly that God is wanting to bring a renewal in this place today. How many want to step into 2019 with a, with a sense of renewal, with a fresh touch from God? Amen? But first we need to understand what is worship. Well, let me tell you what worship is not. It's not just the two songs that we sing at the end of every service. It's not just a song selection. Worship is not a tempo. Worship is part of our lifestyle. And to me, my definition Worship for me is setting aside time so that I can focus on God. And and music and songs are a tool that help us express through our mouth what we're feeling in our hearts. Because everyone knows that music is powerful and worship through music is powerful because it allows our heart and our mind to focus on God. And when we do that, God moves. And when we come together in community like we do here at Westover and we start our worship experiences singing and focusing on God, God moves. The word says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So when we praise him, he comes together. And when that happens in the presence of God, he moves. And so I want to share a passage of scripture with you. And tonight I'm believing that through these scriptures, God's going to show us three ways that we can be renewed through worship. So I want you to turn into your Bible to Psalms 100, verses 1 through 3. And if you don't have your Bible with you, you can click your way to the Westover app. It will be there. 
or it'll be up on the screen. But it's Psalms 100, verses 1 through 3. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And I want you to take special notice of verse 3 because this is where we're going to spend all of our time. And I believe that this is what God wants to unpack with us today. So we're going to read it again. Verse 3, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Number one, acknowledge that the Lord is God. Worship allows us to acknowledge that the Lord is God. Something happens when we begin to put our focus on God and who he is. When we begin to come in and we sing about his faithfulness, when we sing about his goodness, when we acknowledge that he is the Lord of our life, that he is our healer, that he is our provider, our hope, that all grace, that all mercy comes from him. Have you ever had that type of day? For me, it's typically a Wednesday. Maybe it's a Sunday morning for you. Maybe it's a Thursday. But it's typically a Wednesday. That type of day when everything is going wrong, that's the type of day that your coworkers are crazy. You get bad news from the doctor. You get a bad bank account statement in the mail. And the day started off good. You listened to Caleb on the way to work. You read your devotional that morning. And you had decided that today was going to be a good day. You couldn't wait to get to church so that you could worship together and hear the word. And wouldn't it just be like a Wednesday? Just be like a Wednesday when everyone is trying to make you lose the Jesus that's on the inside of you. I'm talking crazy people trying to make you lose the Jesus on the inside of you. Your kids went crazy. Your spouse has lost their mind. And then when you finally get out of work, you hit 1604 traffic. And this is not regular 1604 traffic. This is the type of traffic that takes your 40-minute commute to an hour and a half commute. So then you get home and you have to rush to feed the kids dinner. And then I don't know if it's you, but my kids get a spirit of I don't like that on Wednesday nights. And I'm, telling, I'm looking at them saying it's spaghetti. When you ate spaghetti on Monday, you told me that it was your favorite. But for some reason, when mom's in a hurry to get down here to sound check, all of a sudden, I don't like that. Like, is that just what a Wednesday looks like? And so we've all been there. When nothing is going right, you're frustrated and you're frazzled, and you finally make it to church. And you have a decision to make. You can either focus on the day's events, dwelling on the frustration and the issues, or... We can focus on God, acknowledging that in spite of what's going on around us, in spite of our day, in spite of our bank account, in spite of our doctor's report, that he is God and he is good. And it's amazing how everything about your day begins to fade away when you acknowledge that the Lord is God. Suddenly those frustrations fail to compare when you focus on who he is. But why? Why is it so hard for us to do that sometimes? I think about it, why did the psalmist write that in there? It's like God knew that we would need that gentle reminder that we had to stop and acknowledge. Why is it hard for us to do this? Why do we worry when we should trust? Can I propose something today? When I was thinking about it, I feel like our society fails to acknowledge his authority because we're too wrapped up in our own. Let me say that again. We fail to acknowledge his authority because we like to control our own. 
And I guarantee you something will change in your hearts when you stop what you're doing and you acknowledge that God is in control and that we are not. But as humans, our natural tendency is to manipulate situations and to control them so that we get the outlook that we want. How many have ever done this before? I know I have. I've prayed God some really long, really good prayers. And I've let him know exactly how I think he should handle my situation. I mean, I long prayers, good ones too, all the big words, all the Bible verses, I got them all in there. I gave them a timeline. I gave them step by step. I even offered to make a flow chart with step by step instructions of how I think he needed to handle my situation. Or even worse, I know there's been times in my life, and I would ask if there's times in your life that you didn't even go to the Lord in prayer because you were so confident that your way was the best way. We've all been there before when we think that we need to help God. But let me remind you because God reminded me when I was preparing this that he did not need our help creating this world. He did not need his help creating us. He did not need his help sending his son to save mankind. He did not need help writing the story of every person who has ever lived or ever will live. He did not need help being the miracle worker. He did not help giving us wisdom in times of trouble or strength in trials. He doesn't need help to give us hope in the midst of tragedy because he's not a God that needs our help. But he's a God that needs our hearts. And what peace it brings to step into his presence. To take our hands off of what we're trying to control. Raise them up to him and say, God, you are Lord. You are God. And I am not. And I believe that tonight in this place when we worship at the end of this message that God wants to renew someone's spirit in this place, that God wants to renew your faith in him. And God is here to say that someone in this place needs to stop worrying about the situation you're walking through and simply acknowledge that he is God and acknowledge who he is. So let's keep reading in verse three. First it says acknowledge that the Lord is God and then what? It says he made us, we are his. Number two, worship allows us to remember what he has done. He made us. Not only did he make us, he saved us. Not only did he save us, but he gave me a hope for a bright future. And something powerful happens when we look back and we begin to remember what God has done. What has God done for you lately? If I was to ask you to take out a pen and paper and say that we're going to write God a thank you note, we're going to write Jesus a thank you note, what would you say? And we see this illustrated powerfully in Joshua 4. You see, in Joshua 3, God had just done this next level miracle, like a big one. And this is what, it, this is like the paraphrase version. The Israelites were leaving the Acacia Grove and they made it to the Jordan River and they camped there for three days. Then God told Joshua that he was going to raise him up to make him the next great leader of Israel. He gave Joshua specific instructions to have the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant to the banks of the river. When they got to the river, they were supposed to step into it and that the river on its own would begin to move back and they would walk through it on dry ground. And it did. 
This is what Joshua 3.14 and through 17 says. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was harvest season, and Jordan, the river Jordan was overflowing at its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above the point began backing up a great distance. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the entire nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan. So this is where Joshua 3 ends, and then it jumps to Joshua 4, and this is how it starts, that Joshua chose 12 men, one from each tribe, and he told them to go and each of them pick up one stone from the dry ground in the middle of the river and bring them out of the river. So Joshua 4, 6 says this, we are to use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And the same is for us. When we worship, when we sing about what God has brought us out of, when we remember that he has redeemed us, we're doing the same thing. We're singing and we're proclaiming about his work in our life. That's why we sing songs like, I believe that you're going to do it again. That's why we sing, great is your faithfulness. That's why we sing the song like we did tonight called Monuments. Because our lives are telling a story of what God has done. Because worship allows us to remember what God has done. And you may be in this place and you may be able to say, Pastor Lindsay, there was a time in my life that I was broken, busted, and bruised, but God rescued me. There was a time when my marriage was falling apart and I couldn't even stomach the idea of restoration, but God. But God stepped in, and through forgiveness and restoration, our family is stronger. There was a time when I had no hope, no peace. I was full of anxiety and despair, but God, he stepped in, and he's my prince of peace. When we worship, we remember what he has done. It allows us to take our eyes off of our problems and look up and see God's possibilities. And I believe that tonight, during our closing time of worship, there's someone in here that you need to remember the time you first met with the Lord. And I believe that tonight, God wants to use that time of worship to take you back and remind you what he's already done in your life. Because if he did it once, surely he can do it again. Amen? So we're going to keep reading in Psalms 100 verse 3. First, we acknowledge who he is. We remember what he's done. And this is what the last part of the verse says. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Number three, worship reminds us who we are to him. When we worship, we are reminded who we are to him. And this is very important because we need to know who we are in Christ because we live in a selfie-liking, Instagram-liking, selfie-taking, I don't like you so I'm just going to block you on Facebook type of life. That's the type of world we live in. And we have to know who we are and to whom we belong. Before we get out of bed in the morning, before we start getting dolled up and we scroll through our phone looking for validation and checking our tweets and our retweets, we need to remind ourselves who we are. And we need to make some accurate I am statements. I want someone to look at the person next to you and say, I am. Now I want you to look at the other person and tell them, I'm sorry I didn't pick you first, and then tell them, I am. 
You see, the problem is, is that too many of you have allowed other people to determine who you are, so you can't even tell yourself who you are anymore, and you can't even make an accurate I am statement. Listen, the only place that you're going to know who you are is in the word of God. It's in the presence of God. It's when God whispers and reminds those promises and those reminders. It changes everything. Because you've listened to the lie of the enemy that you're not a good mom because you're a single mom. And there's someone in this place that has listened to the lie of the enemy for too long that says you're too old and you can't be used by God. And that's the lie of the enemy. And there's someone in this place that has listened to the lie of the enemy for too long that says you aren't worth anything. And because you don't understand how much you're worth, you don't understand how much you're cost, you walk around with a clearance tag on and you let people treat you less than the child of God that you are. And when you don't understand your worth, when you don't realize your costs, you cheapen the way you live. That's why, businessman, you, you, you'll, you'll lower your integrity to get, a, to get a business deal done. Young adult, that's why you'll allow anyone to have a piece of your heart and your body because you don't know how much you're worth. But when we read the word, when we enter into his presence... We are reminded, we are reminded that God paid the ultimate price on a cross so that we can walk in victory. We are reminded that our salvation came at a great cost and that salvation came on a cross. And when you know your worth, it gets a little bit easier to say, no, 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 I'm not going to stoop that low. Nope, I'm not going to draw my validations from my likes. I don't know, I don't care how much that inappropriate picture, how many little hearts on Instagram it's going to get me. I'm not going to draw my likes from that because I'm a child of God. These are the types of I am statements that you need to get up in the morning. You need to look yourself in the face. And this is what you need to say. I am a child of God, according to John 1.12. I am chosen by God, according to Ephesians 1.3. I am completed in Christ, according to Colossians 2.9. I am secure and free from condemnation, according to Romans 8. I am established in Christ. I am significant and I am valued. I am created by him and I am precious, according to Psalms 139, verse 16. And I am someone with a future and that. That future is good, according to Jeremiah 29, 11. Can someone say I am? Because when you realize how much you're worth, when you realize how much you're worth in your father's eyes, how much you're loved by your heavenly father, and that you're called to have a greater purpose, it allows the things and the labels of this world to seem a lot smaller. And I believe that today God wants to use this time to remind someone in here who you are to him. Renew means to make like new. And I get it. We live in a fallen world and life happens. It's not fair. And it's easy to get banged up and bruised. And maybe you're thinking, Pastor Lindsay, I'm far from that like new condition. I'm dirty, I'm ashamed, and I'm too far. But I believe today that God tonight wants to renew your life. And I believe that someone in this place needs to allow worship to be the opportunity that you acknowledge who he is. That in spite of what you're walking through, he is God. He is good. And he is faithful. You need to allow this time of worship to be the time that you remember what he's done for you. That he's saved you. That he's healed you. That he's given you hope. Someone in this place needs to remember who you are to him. And the only person who can tell you how much something costs is the person who created it. And some of you say, but Pastor Lindsay, I see you up there worshiping every service. And it seems to come so easy for you. You don't know my story. When I tell you a little bit about my story, I was 21 years old. I just moved back 
from Florida and I was walking through the hardest times of my life. I was broken. I was ashamed. I found myself at my rock bottom. I had been hurt. I had been lied to. I had been abused. I had been taken advantage of. And honestly, y'all, I was a hot mess. <laughs> Should be real. And I remember asking God, why? Why did this happen? I remember begging God to take away the pain. I remember laying on my floor weeping because I didn't even feel worthy to worship. But I'm so thankful that God in that dark moment of my life was so gentle with my heart. And in the quiet when I had no words to say, I heard his voice. And it said, come into my presence. And I began to worship through my pain. I allowed my worship to him to heal my heart. And I remember during that time, God led me to one of my favorite scriptures. And this is my favorite little blue Bible. It's so old, it still has my maiden name on it. And I can turn to that page and it still has the crinkle marks from the tears that fell that night. And Psalms 27.4 says, the one thing I ask, the one thing I seek the most is that I could live in the house of the Lord, in the presence of God, for there he will conceal me, for there he will hide me in his sanctuary. When I was completely broken, I worshiped. I went into his presence. I acknowledged who he is. I remembered what he had done in my life. And I allowed him to remind me who I was to him that even though I was damaged, even though I was broken and used, when he saw me, he saw his masterpiece. When he looked at me, he called me a princess. When I worshiped, I was renewed. If you could stand with me today, we're gonna spend the last couple of moments of, of this service in worship and if you, were, if you could say, Pastor Lindsay, that's me. I feel like I need to be renewed. This is your moment. Because I believe that there's someone in this place today that it's been a while since you've laid down the things of this world. It's been a while since you've just let it all go and you've acknowledged who he is and said, in spite of it all, you are God and you are good. Maybe there's someone in this place that it's been a while since you've remembered the time he first met with you that first time that he saved you. Maybe it's been a while since you've gone back and you remembered the very first time he healed you, the time when the bank account and the numbers didn't add up, but God made a way. Maybe tonight there's someone in this place that needs to revisit that moment. I believe that this moment is for you. Or maybe there's someone in this place that can identify with the 21-year-old me that felt like she was too broken, someone who had thrown away her calling and felt unworthy to worship. God is in this place and he wants to remind someone here that you are valuable. He wants to remind you who you are to him. So we're gonna worship. And as we do, my prayer tonight is that you're renewed.
hear the praises of God in this place. Amen. You're my author, my You're my helper, my healer, my blessing, redeemer, my answer, my saving grace. Come on! You're my Go in the love of the Lord.